Mr. K24 Radio. Oh yeah. Alrighty. Hey, hey, hey. All right. Holy moly. Okie dokie. <laughs> Why am I even doing that? All right. I want to say good evening to you. And of course, it doesn't matter where or when you are listening to this particular podcast. I just want to say thanks a lot for stopping by to check this out. I appreciate you for doing that. <laughs> All right. My name is Mr. K, but folks call me the Cool K. And this is pretty much a chit-chat news update. You know, thinking out loud on Mr. K24 Radio with Mr. K. So that's what's going down right here and now all right right a beautiful tuesday evening is being all day man i sure do hope it's gonna be like that from today to the end of the year and should i say i'm far beyond <laughs> all right thanks a lot for stopping by i guess i could even say that like a hundred times and i won't get done for doing that i mean what's a podcast if you don't listen to it that is it it's not just me I mean, I do my podcast. If you don't listen to it, then it's absolutely nothing. So if you're listening to it, I'm grateful to you. Once again, my name is Mr. K, but folks call me the Cool K. All right, so what am I going to be thinking out loud about today? Chit-chat news, keeping it simple for you, okay? There's a great deal happening out there in the world. So many activities are crystallizing into news everywhere you turn and of course, everywhere you go. Now, did you recall the podcast I made before this one, the one I made on the 14th of December, 2020? I was a bit pissed with what the spokesperson for the Nigerian army said. He actually said it wasn't the um, Boko Haram Islamist terrorist group that um, did the attack at the school in Katsina State at the government um, science secondary school where you have you know all boys school and of course um, some gunmen we are told according to the report showed up on bikes and within very very you know serious weapons assault rifles and stuff so that's just by the way said but we're going to start the story first and foremost with something that has to do with nutrition and guess who is talking about it this time and what this is all about now when we're done with that of course, we're going to get on to uh, the other stories, you know, in the chit-chat news update, okay? There's a great deal for us to talk about uh, right there on this particular podcast. So, I'm going to kickstart it right here and now. And, of course, let's get into it. There you go. Now, the National Council on Nutrition, chaired by Vice President Yemi Shibajo, on Tuesday approved a five-year nutrition action plan that will guide the implementation of interventions and programs to address the problems of hunger and malnutrition across all sectors in the country. The action plan was meant to further improve the well-being of citizens of this country. Now, the Senior Special Assistant to the Vice President for Media and Publicity, Laolu Akonde, disclosed this in a statement 
National Council on Nutrition approves five-year plan to reduce hunger, malnutrition, and increase breastfeeding in Nigeria. Now, we hear stuff like this all the time. The action, that's where the problem is. According to the action plan titled National Malnutrition Multi-Sectoral Plan of Action for Food and Nutrition 2021-2025 was approved at the Council's virtual meeting on Tuesday. Alright, good news. Aside the Vice President who chairs the Council membership include Chairman of the Nigerian Governance Forum, Health Minister, Minister of Water Resources, the Minister of State for Budget and National Planning, the Nutrition Society of Nigeria, Development Partners, Organized Private Sector, Civil Society Organizations, the former Emir of Kano, Sanusi Lamido, among others. Now, that's like having everybody on the panel. Now, the statement read the approved plan will reduce the proportion of people who suffer malnutrition by 50%, increase, increase rather, exclusive breastfeeding rate to 65%. Also, reduce stunting rate under five year olds uh, to 18 by 2025 uh, through the scaling up of priority high impact nutrition specific and nutrition sensitive interventions from government and, of course, relevant agencies. Now, when we see stories like this, we're a bit, you know, should I say agitated? No, we're a bit apprehensive because the question that you know that plays up straight up you know on your mind is that isn't this going to be another talk and no action sadly that's the way it, it turns out to be you know in most of the cases with many of the government or politicians across the african continent great plan no doubt but is it gonna work out that's the big question right there now remember that the national school feeding program that the ruling party, the Upper Progressives Congress, at the federal level, impact upon. Now, if you ask me, I don't think there's anything like that going on in Peninsula here where I live and work. You know, but it's a great program, something that was said as one of the social intervention, you know, packages, you know, supposedly made available by the Upper Progressives Congress and President Mamadou Buhari for the teeming population of Nigerian children in schools. Great idea. But the big question is, where is the truth in the entire scenario? How many schools in Benin City here right now where kids are eating lunch every single day, five days a week? I can assure you there's nothing like that going on. So. I'm kind of, I'm about, I wouldn't just say this, uh, you know, skeptical, I guess I would just say I'm pessimistic uh, about such, um, you know, uh, should I say programs or policies of government supposedly good on paper, but never implemented. Now, still talking about what is going on in the country, let's talk about what the Nigerian Union of Teachers, what they are planning to do by way of response to the attack on the boys' secondary school in Katsina State, northwest, northwest Nigeria. Now, the Nigerian Union of Teachers has threatened to embark on a nationwide strike following a continued threat to the lives of its members and students. The organization therefore called on the government at all levels 
to ensure adequate security and 24-hour surveillance around schools in order not to escalate the disruption of the academic calendar, which is in a fragile state as a result of COVID-19 pandemic. Now, the Secretary General of the NUT, Dr. Mike Enne, issued the strike notice in a statement obtained by pressmen on Tuesday evening in Abuja in reaction to the abduction of over 300 students in Government Day Science Secondary School in Kankara, Katsina State, and other cases in the country. You know, other cases, I guess you've been thinking about the, the kidnapping of the Chibok girls. That was, uh, I guess, some time ago in 2014 or thereabout. Yeah, about that time. And that is something that Nigerians are yet to actually get a closure on. I hear that over a hundred Chibok girls are still with the with the terrorists as we speak. Now, according to the statement emanating from the various stakeholders over the the kidnapping of about 333 students at a you know secondary school, the Kankara Secondary School, out there in Katsina, Northwest Nigeria. You know, we saw various discordant tunes coming from different quarters. You know, the spokesman for the president said it's sure that only 10 students are still being held by the terrorists, you know, are still being held by the attackers, you know, who, who carried out that um, particular strike at a secondary school where you have only boys went straight to the school, straight to the dormitory. And of course, caused this care amongst the students. Many of them tried to escape. A lot of them were picked up by the security, by, by, by the bandits, so to speak. And of course, you have a situation where you try to compare that. You know, that, that's the account of the military on the situation. Now, one of the kids who, who you know, should I say great fortune, or should I also say the kid was smart and was able to escape? you know, from the kidnappers, he said a head count was done and about 520 students were counted, you know. So how do you now reconcile that with what the spokesperson of the president said? He said it's just about 10 of the students that are still with the abductors or their captors. You know, it's, it's horrible when you get discordant teams like that. Even the governor of the state said about 320-something we are still missing. So if you look at what the military said, what the, the students said, and of course what the governor of the state said, and then you try to compare that to what the, the spokesperson for Mr. President said, it just leaves you in, should I say an island? No, it leaves you in a desert of reality. You're just wondering where is reality in all these various accounts that are coming through to me over this incident? Now, <clears throat> yesterday in the podcast I did 20, uh, on the 14th of December uh, 2020, uh, the spokesperson for the Nigerian military, he mentioned that actually that it wasn't the Islamist terrorist group Boko Haram that we are responsible for the strike at a Kankara, you know, the secondary school in Kankara, all boys secondary school where hundreds of um, students are still missing as we speak. 
the man said i'm talking about the nigerian uh, you know spokesperson for the military the man said it wasn't the Boko Haram terrorist group that carried out the strike. That it, was, it was just a bunch or a band of bandits uh, just trying to do their thing. And I didn't quite like that. The question I asked was that, how for crying out loud can you assert it that that's what truly happened? What investigation did you do before you make such comments to the press? Those were the key questions and critical questions I was asking. And of course, I also mentioned that in the course of my chit-chat news on the subject matter. Now, that has been corrected now. Right now, what's on ground is that it is actually the Boko Haram terrorist group that is responsible for the strike. Now, the Nigerian-based Islamist militant group Boko Haram has said it was behind last week's kidnapping of hundreds of schoolboys in the northwestern Nigerian state of Katsina, which happens to be the home state of the President Muhammad Buhari. Now, more than 300 pupils are unaccounted for, but others managed to escape. The authorities have previously blamed bandits for the attack. Now, that makes sense to you guys. Boko Haram has been notorious over the last decade for school kidnappings, including the Chibok girls in 2014, but these are taking place in the northeast of the country and not the northwest. In an audio message, actually, about an abduction, his leader, Abu Bakr Shikau, said what, we, what happened in Katsina was our responsibility and that his group opposed Western education. Of course, this year, hundreds of people, uh, actually the northwest of, of the country, have been killed in attacks by what authorities have always called criminal gangs, but until now, it has been unclear whether they had links with the Boko Haram terrorist group. The militant group has waged a brutal insurgency since 2009, mostly in northeastern Nigeria. Tens of thousands of people have died and millions have been forced from their homes. Activists have criticized President Muhammad Buhari, whose home state is Kassila, of mishandling the security operation against the militants, and of course some have accused him of not showing empathy to the victims and families. Thereafter, a video shared online Tuesday showed him visiting his farm are you kidding me right now? His farm of all places, when it's far on the mountain, in his home state, in his presence. I mean, Mr. President was in Katsina, it was in his hometown, Daura. When the strike by, you know, Boko Haram, you know, happened, okay, as such yesterday, the talk was that it was just bandits. Now we know it's Boko Haram. But the day the strike happened on Friday, President Muhammad Buhari was already in Katsina and actually in his hometown, Daura. And that to me was a, a supreme insult. You know, it wasn't just one of those things, it was a massive insult to the integrity of our leaders in the country. A massive letdown that some persons could actually pull such a stunt when Mr. President is within the state. Now that tells you how pretty much dire the situation is in terms of um, in, in terms of security lapses in most parts of the country at the moment. 
but in this particular situation we are looking at the northwest nigeria and of course for the president to be visiting his farm when there is fire on the mountain he should have felt personally responsible for what happened all right the, the security operatives that they, they failed on the job you know you cannot have mr president within its state and such level of criminality could happen and that's that's a no-no but unfortunately i don't think you know things have been put in proper perspective in this country in so many ways now some folks believe it is absolute incompetence and an uncaring indifferent ruling class that does not understand what it means to govern and that's coming from the critics Yes, the critics of uh, Mr. President. Now, a worrying security development is what this has become, actually, because you cannot actually sh- put this on another shelf. This is something that pretty much puts on the front burner the, the, the laxity with which we handle security issues in this country. Now, Chicago's statement has sparked mixed reactions in Nigeria with the authorities who blamed bandits for the attack now saving uh, you know saying they were uncertain about who caused the attacks now months before last week's attack Boko Haram claims that it had a presence in the northwest region so if it is proved uh, they are indeed behind the school raid it's a worrying development and I quite agree with that now some skeptics however say that Shekau may just be claiming responsibility as a propaganda strategy to attract more attention to his group, which is competing for dominance and relevance with a splinter faction known as Islamic State of West Africa province. But as officials work on finding out who was behind the attack, is yet another incident that has brought some great anxiety to parents in the northwest region about the safety of their children and wards in schools. Now, Nigeria is facing a growing and desperate security situation. It is disparate challenges we're facing. The public want more than tough words, but an assurance that the government is on the offensive and not on the back foot like it is beginning to look like. Now, to other news now, let's see what is happening in other areas. Tunisia rules out normalizing relations with Israel. Tunisia's Prime Minister Hichem Menchichi says his country is not interested in normalizing relations with the state of Israel. Now, last week, Morocco became the fourth member of the Arab League to announce diplomatic ties with Israel in the past few months, while on an official visit to France, Mr. Menchichi in response to a question by journalists on whether Tunisia intended to follow in Morocco's footsteps, said that every country is free to make the choice it makes, and it's not the choice of Tunisia, not a choice we have made. Mr. Mechichi also denied that the Trump administration have put pressure on Tunisia. I have not heard anything about the Trump administration pressuring us to follow in the footsteps of Morocco and the Emirates. He added, U.S. President Donald Trump announced last week that Morocco would normalize relations with Israel. In exchange, his administration recognizes Morocco's sovereignty over the disputed territory 
of Western Sahara. Kind of like a quid pro quo, isn't it? But it's alright. Why even keep enemies? Now, Malawi's Security Minister Richard Banda has signed extradition papers for fugitive pastor Shepard Bucheri and of course his wife Mary. Local media is reporting in Malawi. This follows an extradition request from neighboring South Africa where the couple is wanted to face charges of money laundering and fraud. The couple has denied any wrongdoing. The High Court in Malawi is set to decide on their arrest after they were released unconditionally by magistrates court that said there was no formal extradition request from South Africa. Now the court will determine the case on the 22nd of December, a couple of days to Christmas, isn't it? According to the Daily Times newspaper, the Bushiris escaped from South Africa last month defying bail conditions that barred them from leaving the country. Pastor Bushiri at the time said his life was in danger, hence the decision to leave the country. The Malawian and South African governments had to issue statements on the escape after Malawi's President Lazarus Chakwera, who was on a state visit to South Africa, was accused of aiding the pastor's escape. Now, who wouldn't suspect that? I mean, you are wanted for committing some criminal infractions, and uh, the next thing you know, the president of a country of your country comes by. And the next thing you know, you disappear with your wife. So what were you thinking? <laughs> you know, sometimes you just wonder the, the, the level of absurdity, the level of absurdity that is going on in the African continent when it comes to the way and manner pastors are conducting themselves, running their churches, pretty much like... Um, I mean, it's even worse than some of these uh, gambling houses where people just, you know, looking for ways to get some money out of a stroke of luck or something. I have no idea, but actually they tell their members of their churches that makes them, you know, uh, that makes them that, that stupid the way they have turned out to be. The man ran a Ponzi scheme in South Africa, and of course everybody knows that the Ponzi scheme has a lifespan. At the outset, it seems to be working. At the next thing you know, it stops working. That's that's how Ponzi schemes are. All right. If you if you're into a Ponzi scheme, okay. Let's just say, of course, you should know that at the end of the day, things are going to get a bit awry because at some point it is going to start failing. If on the basis of that, you know, you still don't see any reason why you shouldn't be involved in any other Ponzi scheme, that you are the one that has a problem. But if your pastor is the one that wants to sell the Ponzi scheme to you, there is the likelihood with the level of gullibility of many Africans to what the pastors are saying, there's the likelihood that they are going to say this particular Ponzi scheme is coming from a man sent from above. And for that reason, it must be the proper one. It's not going to fail. This must be, you know, that huge miracle. I've been expecting some folks are that gullible. So they put their money into the Ponzi scheme because it is coming from a pastor. That, for crying out loud, does not make sense. It is utterly stupid and irresponsible of anyone. I don't think that members of his church, I saw them, you know, some of the 
in the video you know clips I saw I saw them on the road praying and singing praises to the Lord and so on and so forth standing by their pastor and I, there was this lady that was asked the question she said yes I have been brainwashed by him I have no regret for being brainwashed by him is the brainwash I needed that he gave me and what's more I know his sermons his sermons are true his sermons they are blessing us you know that tells you again the level of gullibility the level of mental enslavement that is going on in the name of Christianity on the African continent you just wonder how come a country that is so poor how come you just don't think twice before you give your money because some guy you know the dude says the pastor that's it that you're supposed to give him a part of your money and stuff like that but this is what you get now when the news came out when it broke that the Bushiris had escaped the thinking you know of a lot of people including yours truly here is that the presence of the Malawian president in South Africa on a state visit could have been the precursor for the escape probably that was what happened and some folks even said maybe they were snicked into uh, you know the flight that took the Malawian president you know to Malawi now be that as it may that remains uh, a matter of conjecture even till this very moment but I'm happy that um, uh, the couple will find themselves in South Africa pretty soon just so they can face the wrath of the law it's about time these guys start biting the dust for their trickery and of course the absurdity that they have built into their sermons and they uh, you know they kind of like I wouldn't say in doubt that they enslave their members with everything is fair as long as it is coming from the pastor all right thanks a lot for being part of uh, this particular podcast thanks for stopping by to check this out uh, my name is mr k folks call me the cool k and let me tell you it's always the delight to have you stop by i cannot say that uh, you know enough i can say that like a hundred times and say some more and i would never get done like i said at the beginning of this particular podcast what's a podcast if nobody listens to it so if you listen to my podcast i appreciate you double thanks a lot i appreciate it. thanks for stopping by if you want to see my other podcast you can find them just go to anchor.fm you click on this cover and you type mr k24 radio mr for mr ky for k24 for 24 and then radio mr k24 radio that's it right there once again thanks everyone i gotta go <laughs> i'm out of time bye y'all Mr. K24 Radio, oh yeah.